0: Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor, and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. As we welcome in a new year, we are continuing with our study on communication. Again, we're using Dr. H. Norman Wright's book, Communication Key to Your Marriage as a basis for our discussion. Last week, we had just begun to look at marriage as an intimate relationship when our time ran out. The basis for true physical intimacy actually results from emotional intimacy. Physical intimacy involves the marriage of emotions as well as bodies. Emotional energy may elude many couples because one or both partners make no conscious effort to develop intimacy by lowering barriers and walls. In his book, How Do You Say I Love You?, Judson Swihart writes of the tragedy of a marriage lacking emotional intimacy. Some people are like medieval castles. Their high walls keep them safe from being hurt. They protect themselves emotionally by permitting no exchange of feelings with others. No one can enter. They are secure from attack. However, inspection of the occupant finds him or her lonely, rattling around his castle alone. The castle dweller is a self-made prisoner. He or she needs to feel loved by someone, but the walls are so high that it is difficult to reach out or for anyone else to reach in. Mutual understanding is critical if any level of intimacy is to be achieved. A man's and a woman's emotions may be at different levels and intensities. In general, a woman's priority is emotional intimacy. And in general, a man's priority is physical intimacy. When a couple learns to share the emotional level and can understand and experience each other's feelings, they are well on their way to achieving true intimacy. The word intimacy is derived from the Latin word intimus, which means inmost. Intimacy suggests a very strong personal relationship, a special emotional closeness that includes understanding and being understood by someone who is very special. Intimacy has also been defined as an affectionate bond, the strands of which are composed of mutual caring, responsibility, trust, open communication of feelings and sensations, as well as the non-defended interchange of information about significant emotional events. Intimacy means taking the risk to be close to someone and allowing that someone to step inside your personal boundaries. Intimacy requires vulnerability but it also requires security. Openness can be scary, but the acceptance each partner offers in the midst of vulnerability provides a wonderful sense of security. Intimate couples can feel safe, fully exposed perhaps, yet fully accepted. All too often it is assumed that intimacy automatically occurs between married partners. But many husbands and wives feel isolated from each other and lonely, even after many years of marriage. They say things like, We share the same house, the same table, and the same bed, but we might as well be strangers. We've lived together for 23 years, and yet I don't know my spouse any better now than when we married. You see, intimacy is not automatic. Mutual understanding and communication are the vehicles for creating and maintaining intimacy, and they are the means by which we know another person. Dr. Wright says there are five levels of conversation that correspond to degrees of intimacy in a marriage relationship. So let's take a look at these. Level 1. The first level of communication is limited to sharing facts explanations, or information. Conversations at this level are much like exchanging newspaper stories. While the information can be interesting, it is often considered small talk and really doesn't accomplish much in getting to know the other person. The degree of intimacy at this conversation level is extremely low. Here are two questions to answer as they relate to your marriage. Number one, when does this type of conversation occur in your marriage? And number two, which of you tends to use this style of conversation more? Level two, the second level of conversation centers on sharing the ideas and opinions of other people. Conversation at this level is a bit more interesting and yet discloses little of oneself. Practically no intimacy is achieved when discussion is limited to persons outside the relationship. Again, here are the two questions to answer as they relate to your marriage. Number one, when does this type of conversation occur in your marriage? And number two, which of you tends to use this style of conversation more? Level three. Conversation level three produces moderate intimacy. At this level, you are sharing your own ideas and opinions. You are disclosing some of your own thoughts and risking minor vulnerability, but you are still not revealing who you really are. Again, here are the two questions to answer as they relate to your marriage. Number one, when does this type of conversation occur in your marriage? Number two, which of you tends to use this style of conversation more? Level four. Level four involves a higher degree of intimacy and conversation. Now you are sharing personal preferences, beliefs, concerns, and also some of your own personal experiences. Dr. Wright says that one of the level four questions his daughter often asked him when he was young was, Daddy, what were you like when you were a little boy? He said that he was amazed at how much he began to recall and share about himself in response to her question. Again, here are two questions to answer as they relate to your marriage. Number one, when does this type of conversation occur in your marriage? And number two, which of you tends to use this style of conversation more? Level five. Level five is the highest level of conversation and communication. Here you share your inner feelings and preferences, likes and dislikes. You share what is occurring in your inner life and you open up completely. You move beyond talking about events or beliefs or ideas or opinions to talking about how these ideas or events or people influence you and how they touch you emotionally and inwardly at this level emotional expression has moved from talking from the head to talking from the heart again here are two questions to answer as they relate to your marriage number one when does this type of conversation occur in your marriage and number two which of you tends to use this style of conversation more Dr. Wright now shifts and talks about marriage as a refining process. He says that our response to life's crises is the key issue. When troubles come, we may say, God, this isn't what I wanted in my life. I didn't plan for this. But the trouble is, regardless of our wishes, how will we respond to it? James 1, verses 2 and 3 is a passage that's easy to read, but another thing to put into practice. It reads, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing, or trying, of your faith produces endurance. Well, what does the word consider mean? It refers to an internal attitude of the heart or of the mind, that allows the trial or circumstance to affect us either adversely or beneficially. Another way it may be translated is, make up your mind to regard adversity as something to welcome or be glad about. You have the power to decide what your attitude will be. You can approach a circumstance by saying, it's terrible, totally upsetting. This is the last thing I wanted for my life. Why did it have to happen now? Why me? The other way of considering the same difficulty is to say, It's not what I wanted or expected, but it's here. So how can I make the best of these difficult times? Never deny the pain or hurt you might have to go through. Instead ask, What can I learn from this difficult time, and how can it be used for God's glory? The verb tense used in the word consider indicates a decisive action. It's not an attitude of resignation. Well, I guess I'll just give up. I'm stuck with this problem. That's the way life is. Actually, the verb tense indicates that you will have to put forth some effort and go against your natural inclination to view trials as a negative force. You will have to say to yourself, I think there is a better way of responding to this. Lord, I really want you to help me see it from a different perspective. It will take a lot of work on your part, but it will shift your mind to a more constructive response. God created us with the capacity and the freedom to determine how we will respond to unexpected incidents life brings our way. You may honestly wish that a certain event had never occurred, but you can't change the fact that it has. In the minor or major crises that will occur in your marriage, each of you will experience hurt. But a hurt shared diminishes, hurt carried alone expands. Lewis B. Smeads describes marital suffering in this way Anybody's marriage is a harvest of suffering. Romantic lotus eaters may tell you marriage was designed to be a pleasure dome for erotic spirits to frolic in self-fulfilling relations. But they play you false. Your marriage vow was a promise to suffer. Yes, to suffer. You promised to suffer with. Well, our time is gone for today. And as I close, I want to encourage you to attend one of the many Bible-believing and teaching churches here in the Treasure Valley. If you don't have a home church, we'd love to have you visit us. Our services at Cloverdale Church of God are at 9.30 and 11 a.m., and we're located at 3755 South Cloverdale Road. That's between Victory and Amity. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at Gary at CloverdaleChurch.org If you know more about the church, go to our website at www.CloverdaleChurch.org Thanks for listening, and be blessed.